Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Uh, Couldn't we also join together, uh, those of us who are blessed with some good health and some good opportunity um, to to join in. The, The local fire department has been great working with them, rescheduling from yesterday today. Uh, the food truck, also, they were flexible enough to come. I'm just, uh, all of these people that are involved have been so, so generous. And I'm amazed just uh, in organizing this. And so I'm expecting good things to happen today. And I'm expecting that we'll have a good turnout. But even more than that, I'm expecting that it will be an influence for the kingdom of God. You never know how God can use an event like this to draw someone's heart back to himself. Because generosity generosity is what this holiday is all about. Uh, You found yourself here in the midst of a four-week series that I've been doing on Thanksgiving. And uh, each week we've been building one truth upon another about the truth of Thanksgiving. But I want to end this series as we approach this Thanksgiving holiday with a message that I hope will inspire you. Because what Thanksgiving is all about, you cannot have Thanksgiving without giving. It is a holiday of generosity. And the people who don't like Thanksgiving is probably because they view it through the lens of what can I get out of life? What does the world around me owe to me? And what is common about people who have that point of view The point of view of having always a chip on the shoulder, having always expectations of people and of life around them, having an attitude of what does the world owe me. See, what happens is that either those people have become very ignorant or they have become very forgetful. And I want to preach about memory today. If you have clear memory it will lead you to greater gratitude. So, uh, there was two middle-aged couples. They were enjoying a friendly conversation. One of the men asked the other, Fred, how was the memory? Hey, I need you to turn off your phone alerts, please, so that we can all focus in on the Word of God. There were two middle-aged couples enjoying friendly conversation. One of the men asked the other, Fred, how was the memory clinic? that you went to last month. Outstanding, he replied. They taught us all the latest psychological techniques, such as visualization, association, and so on. It was great. I haven't had a problem since. Wow, sounds like something I could use. What was the name of that clinic? And Fred went blank. He thought and he thought, but he couldn't remember. Then a smile broke across his face, and he asked, 
what do you call that one flower that has a long stem and sharp thorns on it? Oh, you mean a rose? Oh, yes, that's it. He turned to his wife and said, hey, Rose, what was the name of that memory clinic that I went to? The study of psychology, memory is the ability to store, retain, and recall information and experiences. I want you to spend a moment right now exercising your memory. Things that have, uh, that have stuck out in your mind, in your life, as powerful events that have changed you across the course of your life. Because the ability to remember is very much related to gratitude. Because if you can't remember all the blessings that have been in your life, then you will not have a sense of gratitude for the things you have today. In the Bible, the Greek word for remember is the word aletheia. It literally means to not forget. What's interesting is that this word, this word, aletheia, is also the same word that is translated in English as the word truth. So truth, according to the Bible, literally means to not forget. This is why education is so important. This is why parents need to teach our children the ways of the Lord, the ways of our nation, the ways of our culture, because if you don't teach them, I guarantee the government indoctrination camps will not teach them. And so my message this morning is to stir your memory so that you will be grateful. Let's look to Psalm chapter 77, 77th Psalm, as we look together, verses 11 through 15 where David begins to stir up his own memory. And you'll see what happens as he does. Psalm 77, verse 11 says, I recall. Everybody say, recall. I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember. Everybody say, remember. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. Oh, God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of miracles and wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. You have redeemed your people by your strength. The descendants of Jacob and of Joseph by your might. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus. I thank you for the opportunity to preach this morning. I pray, God, for this day and for this opportunity, Lord. We pray that you would help us to use it for your glory, that souls would be saved alive. I'm praying, God, that you would stir the memory of every soul here today to remember all of the blessings and benefits that you have placed in our lives and that it would stir us this morning to a sense of gratitude. And we thank you for all you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, so first of all, I want to remind you how easy it is to forget. How easy it is to forget. That's why I have to repeat things from the pulpit. That's why you have to hear certain messages. That's why the Bible repeats certain themes again and again, because part of our sinful nature 
is that we are so forgetful. Have you ever uh, gotten up from the place where you were and walked into another room and then forgot why you were there? What did I come in here for? I forgot. Let me just go back. See, this is something that as we age and as we get older, something that can become a devastating condition. Some people, if you have ever known someone who has suffered with Alzheimer's disease or a family member has gone through that, you know what a devastating condition it is. To look at a family member or loved one and you realize as they're looking back at you, they don't remember who you are and how devastating that is. See, memory is the ability to recall people, conversations, events, and life. And when you begin to lose your memory, you are literally beginning to lose your life. And it's no accident that people who lose memory, the brain function to recall information that begins to wear down on their bodies. But, you know, you don't have to have Alzheimer's to be forgetful. In fact, I believe forgetfulness is a spiritual condition. It's a condition of our sinful natures. And when we begin to forget the blessings and the benefits that God has placed in our life, or we get so distracted by the world and we lose our way, the effect is, that we are losing our gratitude. Think about some biblical examples of forgetters. Esau, the Bible says that he despised his birthright. You ever remember that story? Jacob and Esau. That he came in after he was done hunting one day, and he said that his tummy was so hungry that all he could think about was a bowl of lentils, a bowl of beans, some soup. And he said, what does this birthright mean to me anyway later i'll trade it to you jacob for a bowl of soup he forgot how important his birthright was as the firstborn he threw it away as if it meant nothing listen there's people who do that every day throw away a godly birthright throw away a godly heritage for what for a moment of pleasure in the flesh Forget God's blessing. Forget what God wants to do with their lives. The children of Israel, we know it only took them a few days. As they come out from Egypt after being delivered with all these signs and wonders and miracles, the Red Sea splits open, the, and there they are, delivered by God for three days. And then what happens? They get a little hungry. They get a little thirsty. And they forget all of those miracles that God just did three days ago. They forget that he is a God of miracles. It's easy for us to point our fingers at them. But we do the same. It's easy for us. Listen, we can, you, you can come to church and hear a great sermon and be stirred to action, be stirred to live for God and to, ha- to study your Bible and pray but how many knows it only takes about one a day or two days? You get around to Tuesday afternoon, and you forgot all about God, all about everything you learned. You forgot all about the challenge. You forgot the prayer that you prayed. 
Samson forgot his vow of purity. David one day, a man who was described by God as a man after his own heart. David one day, he should have been out battling for the Lord, but he stayed at home. And as he looked upon Bathsheba, he forgot. He forgot about all that God had done for him. He forgot about all of his uh, stands that he had taken for God. And as he forgot about that, he took a woman that was not his own wife. And then he killed her husband. And then he covered it up because of his forgetfulness. How about the, the promised people, the Jews and the Pharisees? They forgot how many prophecies had been given about a Messiah. And when Jesus showed up in front of their faces, they forgot everything that had been said, and they rejected him, they crucified him. Deuteronomy 6.12 says, Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Can I ask you this morning, do you remember how the Lord rescued you? Do you remember what kind of person you were before the Lord spoke to you? Do you remember that you were on your way to a devil's hell, separated from everything that's good, and he pulled you out of the miry clay? That should be on the forefront of our mind every day. Do you remember how Jesus gave his life and shed his blood for you? Because if that is fresh in your mind and in your memory, I want to tell you, it'll change the way you live on a day-to-day basis. Jeremiah 2, verse 32 is an interesting scripture. It asks a question, does a young woman forget her jewelry? Go ahead and answer that. Does a young woman forget her jewelry? No, of course she doesn't. There's another question. Does a bride hide her wedding dress? That would be silly. And Jeremiah goes on to say, Yet for many years my people have forgotten me. It's sometimes easier for us to pay attention to physical things, to little trinkets and toys. Uh, You know, there's, there's... There's the three things that every man needs before he leaves the house. Phone, wallet, keys. And, you know, every time you go out the door, you check the pockets. There's the phone, there's wallet, there's keys. Got it. Okay, I can go. You know, it ought to be like that when we think about our salvation. Do I I have the Lord? Do I have His Spirit living in me today? See, I've noticed that people who backslide, people who turn away from the Lord, people who make decisions that deliver them back into a world of sin and bondage. The Bible says they turn out double, twice as bad as they were before it started. Do you know why much of that happens? Is because people forget the blessing that God has placed in their lives. The reason why men cheat on their wives or why wives will cheat on their husbands is because they forget the day that wife or that husband chose to be with them 
for the rest of their lives. They choose to forget that that person, all that they've done for them. See, forgetting the good works of God is more than just forgetfulness. It is sin. Some of, those, some of the most wicked people in the Bible are those who forget. Pharaoh in Egypt. You know, the, the, uh, much of the might of Egypt came because of Joseph and his family. You remember the story in Genesis when Joseph came and became the, uh, the, the vice president of Egypt? Was in charge of all of their grain and during a time of drought caused Egypt to prosper. It was Joseph and his family that came in and rescued Egypt from certain disaster. But then it says, the Bible says that a Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph. And that Pharaoh who rose up and forgot about Joseph, guess what? He put the children of Joseph into slavery and bondage. See, this is what happens in a culture when we forget where we've come from. This is what happens to a nation that forgets the manifold blessings that has caused us to exist in the first place. This is what happens to public schools and the government indoctrination camps that we have. This is why we don't teach history in our schools. This is why I got so upset as I began to learn the history of our nation after I got out of public school. And I thought to myself, how come I never learned this? There's a reason. They want us to forget. They want our children to be ignorant of the truth, of the history of our nation. And in the same way, the enemy of our souls, beloved, wants us to be ignorant, wants us to be forgetful about all the blessings that have happened in our lives. All the wonderful things that God has done for us. Nabal forgot about the blessing and protection of David. Listen, what we, mean, what we need to do this morning is we need to remember the works of God. This is what it says in our scripture, Psalm 77, verse 11. I recall all that you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts, and I cannot stop thinking about them. That is a very healthy way to live. Can you say amen? If we took that truth and applied it to our lives, if we took the opportunity today, if I gave each one of you a notepad uh, full of paper, and I gave you a pen, and you started listing off every miracle God has done in your life, every, every sin that God delivered you from, every time that God, that you were on a path that led to disaster and God saved you from that. Every time that you had a good piece of advice from someone who cared about you and spoke God's truth into your life. Every time that you were headed off the cliff but you heard a sermon or you read a scripture or you prayed a prayer and God rescued you. How many pages could you fill? How many notepads could you fill if you sat down long enough? And think, that's only the blessings that you can remember, which is only about half of them. Now, what can that exercise do for you when you recall all that God has done? 
all of his wonderful deeds if you, like David, could not stop thinking about them? I want to assist you in that action today for just a moment. And in the spirit of Stephen, you know Stephen, the first martyr, he got killed for doing what I'm about to do. I hope that you all have some mercy on me. All I want to do is help you remember. Stephen, the first, mission, the first a martyr of the faith, the reason he got killed was because he was reminding the people of all that God had done. He recited the history of the Jewish people. Can I remind you what God has done for you? Can I remind you of the manifold blessings that have brought you to this place at this time? Can I remind you that you are not here by accident? Can I remind you that God created the heavens and the earth? He created a universe that is perfectly fine-tuned for you to exist. Imagine for a moment a ruler that stretched across the universe from one end to the other. And it is split up into one-inch sections. Now, in a ruler that is that wide, it spans the entire universe. Gravity, the force of gravity could have fallen anywhere on that scale. Uh, no gravity would be on one side, and soul-crushing eternal gravity on the other side. Okay? That's the scale. And that ruler split up into one-inch portions. Gravity has fallen exactly at one point, the force of gravity. If you move the force of gravity one inch to the left or one inch to the right, then life is not possible. God has chosen to create the universe in such a way that the force of gravity is fine-tuned for you to exist. If it's off one way, then planets cannot form. If it's off the other way, then the gravity is so tough that life cannot form. One inch on the scale a universe-wide. Have you forgotten that God made this place? He made it just for you. He gave you air to breathe. He gave you a mind to think. He didn't create you like animals. He gave you a voice to speak. He gave you eyes to see. He gave you hands. Everybody hold up your hands. There is not one fingerprint that is exactly duplicated. I want to ask you just to, just to hold up your hand in front of your face. And just move your fingers around just a little bit. Can you imagine the complexity involved? in all of those tiny little muscles and bones in your wrist and your fingers. I'm serious. And God gave you an opposable thumb. Have you seen the kids try to do no thumb challenge? God gave you a thumb. And digits that can move and sense and feel. And your skin burns when you get too hot. So you stay away from danger. Gave you a memory, gave you, gave you so many things, just the physical creation. God created the stars and the galaxies and the planets and he holds them together and this world does not spin out of control. 
Did you know right now we are moving at over 13,000 miles an hour as the earth spins on its axis? Who keeps that under control? Do you know that God spoke this all into existence? He spoke it. He didn't have to labor. All he had to do was speak and molecules leapt into existence. God gave us life. He gave us the ability to live, to exist, to observe the world. All of that should make you thankful. (laughs) Do you have a heart that beats without you even thinking about it? Do you have lungs that breathe air even while you're sleeping? Do you have blood that circulates throughout your body, keeping you alive, taking the oxygen out of the air and transmitting it to all of the muscles in your body? Can you imagine the complexity? Can you imagine all God that... They say one of the most complex things in all the universe is the human eye, the optical nerve that, that attaches to your brain, that the data link between the eye and the brain can never be duplicated. How much information is passing through your eye into your brain and being converted into an image that we can actually see? Did you know that when light enters into your eyeballs that they, it flips upside down halfway through? So the image that's actually projected onto the back of your eye is an upside-down image, and your brain has to perform turning it back around. And the way that they found that out, the way that they figured this out, is they gave people some goggles, and they made people wear goggles constantly. And what the goggles did is they turned the whole world upside down. So you put the goggles on, floor is on the ceiling, and ceiling's on the floor. So people are walking, could you imagine, wearing goggles that would make the image of everything around you turn upside down. But you know what happened? After a few days of wearing the goggles, the brain figured out what happened and automatically flipped the world back right side up. So they're wearing the goggles and they're seeing everything normally as they always had. Do you know what happens when they took the goggles off? The brain had to catch up again. They took the goggles off and the world was flipped upside down again. Your brain is constantly figuring that out, interpreting not only light but sounds, electrical impulses. I could go on, but I don't have the time. But that was not enough. God revealed himself. He made himself known not just through the creation, but through his prophets throughout the years, through Moses, through Sinai, through the people of God. God gave us prophets to know him. God sent Uh, angels to testify about him. Ultimately, God gave his only son. Say, God hasn't done enough for me. God sent his son to the world for you. Jesus left his heavenly position at God's right hand to enter a filthy, sinful world. Jesus, who came to perform mighty miracles, he walked on water, he healed the sick, he preached the word of God. Like no man has ever preached. He lived a righteous example. He lived a sinless life. The greatest man who has ever lived. And we know that because we split up our time based on his life before him and after him. 
He lived a righteous example. Was ultimately rejected by the world, but that didn't stop him, did it? He took power over death, over hell, over the grave. Why? So that you could be saved. He established a church that has now existed for 2,000 years. He sent the Holy Spirit to give us power over sin. He is in heaven again at the right hand of God and even now preparing a place for you. And we haven't even talked about any blessings in your life yet. Do you think that it's a miracle? I think it is. How many things had to happen just so that you could be in church today listening to this message? How many things had to line up so that you could hear this message? In your life, no doubt, God has done miracles to bring you to this place. I want you to think about them. That's what David did. I recall all that you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. The problem is that we do. We do stop thinking about them. We do because we have distractions, because we have uh, entertainment that we have to get to. We have shows we have to watch. We have YouTube video subscriptions that we have to keep up on. We have podcasts and talk radio that steal our time. We have all manner of things that distract us. Come on, somebody. Distract us from thinking about all the miracles God has done. Remembering is a choice. Remembering is a choice. I will choose to remember today. I will choose to remember all, God, that you have done for me. See, as David begins remembering these things, recalling, remembering, thinking about them, this is, what he, this is the conclusion he makes. God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of miracles and wonders. You demonstrate your power among the nations. Do you know what happened as David began exercising the muscle of memory? God got bigger in his eyes. What happens when we forget is the view that we have of God gets smaller. I didn't say that God got smaller. I said your view of God gets smaller. The more you remember, the more you think, the more that you ponder, the more that you uh, remember the works of God, can I tell you, God gets bigger. Bigger in your eyes. More powerful in your perception. And if you are here today and you say God means nothing to me, it means that you have forgotten all that he has done for you. Remembering is a choice. In the Bible, it speaks about making up a pillar. Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. In Joshua, it says, take yourself 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan River. Carry them over. And make a memorial. See, they built altars, not just for sacrifices, but for remembrance. Some of these altars that exist to this day in the land of Israel. You can travel to the Holy Land and see some of these pillars, these altars that have been erected. And the reason why 
is because there's a people that said, we don't want to forget this. We don't want to forget this. You cannot go visit the nation, the, the capital of our nation in Washington, D.C., and start looking at those monuments. You'll be amazed at what you see. You'll see God all over it. <laughs> as much as our current uh, government school programs want to cover it up, don't look at the God part, kids. You go to Supreme Court, you'll see Moses. You'll see all the great lawgivers, but right in the middle is Moses, the most prominent. You'll see the Ten Commandments on the doors of the Supreme Court. You go into the, one of the greatest memorials is the Lincoln Memorial. And you read his speeches on the left side and on the right side. He mentions scripture references from the Bible all throughout God, the great creator. You go to George Washington's monument and uh, uh, you, you can't see it, but up on the very tippy top of that Washington monument, there is a scripture reference and it says, Laos Deo, glory to God, right up there on the top, on the place that only his eyes can see. All of those are memorials, pillars that have been set up to remind a generation that is turning away from God. Why is it that we have such a blessed nation? Why is it that we have the greatest economy, the greatest culture, the greatest military might, the greatest blessings? That's not egotistical, it's just fact. We live better today than kings and queens a hundred years ago. Why? God like us better? No. It's because there was a people. And that's what this Thanksgiving is all about. From the very foundation of people coming into, the, into this land, the moment that they came, they were grateful. They were grateful to be alive. They were grateful to have a place to worship God. Those original pilgrims, those original people who came over both in Virginia and up there in Massachusetts, they came and they established a tradition of gratitude. They were grateful. You know that first winter when they arrived on the Mayflower, right? That first winter, more than half of them died. They were unprepared. And so when the spring came and they planted their crops and the crops did well, and it was, uh, they had the help of the, the local Native Americans. And so they had a good harvest and on that, on that uh, anniversary of their arrival. That, that's why we have a Thanksgiving in November. As they're heading into a second winter, now they have something grateful, something to be grateful for. But I ask you, grateful to who? Were they grateful to the Indians? Of course they were the Native Americans. They were grateful to them, but they were even more grateful to God. I close with this illustration. There was an old man who went to visit a broken pier on the southeast coast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would return to the same pier, walking slowly, stooped over, with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them from his bucket. Why would this man go out and feed seagulls these shrimp? Well, you have to know 
about this man. His name was Eddie Rickenbacker. And in October of 1942, he was Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. He was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. There was an unexpected detour which put Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, a flying fortress had lost the reach of his radio. Fuel ran low. The men ditched their plane into the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed up against their raft. The largest raft was nine foot by five foot. There was one shark that was more than ten foot long. But all of their enemies at sea, there was one that was the greatest, and it was the enemy of starvation. After eight days, their, their rations were gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to keep them alive, and then the miracle happened. This is, comes from Captain Eddie's own words. The, the uh, Cherry was the pilot, Captain William Cherry. It says, quote, he read the service that afternoon. We finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. There was talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep the glare off of my face, I dozed off. Captain Rickenbacker recalls, at that moment, something landed on my head. I knew it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew it was. I just knew. I couldn't see it. Everyone else knew also. Nobody said a word. But peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on, on all of their faces. They were staring at the seagull on my head. The goal meant that we could eat if I could catch it. The rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the goal. They ate the flesh. They used the intestines as bait to catch more fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes were renewed because some lone seagull flying out in the middle of the ocean, hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. And that's why Captain Eddie survived. And now you know why every day for the rest of his life he took a bucket of shrimp out to the pier. An old man with white hair and bushy eyebrows bent down his bucket filled with shrimp to feed the gulls because he remembered. He remembered what God did for him. What about you? Do you remember what God has done for you? And if so, doesn't it drive you to action? Those who remember are grateful. I want to encourage you this morning. Remember what God has done. And that's what we celebrate on this Thanksgiving dinner. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And as God speaks to us this day. As God challenges us today. I want to give you the greatest reminder of the greatest truth that has ever happened. And that is of what Christ did for us on the cross. We sang about it tonight. 
uh, this, this morning. We sang about the victory that he won. Those who are not saved are either ignorant or they are forgetful of what Christ has done. Well, they don't understand the true meaning of what Christ on the cross. Many people wear a crucifix on their neck as a fashion statement, but have no idea that that horrible death happened so that we could be saved from our sins. Maybe you're here today and you can be honest for just a moment. You know that your sins are destroying you. Your rebellion against a holy God is destroying you like a cancer, eating at you from the inside out. The Bible describes sin in that way, like a physical disease that eats away at us, that causes us to become callous. The more we sin, the further we grow away from God and from people. We isolate ourselves in rebellion. But I have good news for you today. Jesus came to rescue us from our sins. I was a 16-year-old without much understanding of religious things. I'd been to church my whole life. But I remember having an experience with God. He showed himself to me. He showed me the true nature of my sin before him. And I, I said, God, I'm, if I'm honest, all the times I've been to church, but I don't really know who you are. And I prayed a little prayer. I said, God, I don't even know if you can hear this. I don't even know if you're there. But if you are, I don't want my sins to destroy me. Would you save me, a sinner like me? God, would you have mercy on somebody like me? And that simple prayer with a simple faith was all that God needed. And he did. He rescued me that day. And from that day forward, I want to tell you, my life has been radically changed. I was born again. Old things passed away. Everything became new. New purpose, new hope, new destiny, new life, new future. I was adopted into God's family. And I want to tell you, you can be also. No matter who you are today, no matter what sins you have committed, there is no sin outside the scope of God's forgiveness. From the smallest white lie to the greatest murder, theft, robbery, whatever it is, wherever you are, God wants to meet you today. Will you believe? How does it happen? It happens when you trust the Lord Jesus. You trust him with all of your heart. And you repent from your sins. You say, God, I judge all of my life, all of my wrongdoings. I recognize that it is wrong. And I turn away from it today. If you do those two things, repent of sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you will be saved. And if that describes you today, I want to encourage you right now to receive what Christ has for you. If you recognize and remember all that God has done for you, then you'll turn to him. Say, Lord, forgive me for running from you. God, I want to know who you are. If that describes you today, I want to ask you to do one thing quickly. Slip up your hand. Is there someone here being honest with the Lord? You're not right with God, but you want to be. Is there someone here quickly today? Anyone at all? You'd lift up your hand. I want to pray with you. I don't want to embarrass you. 
But I want you to know the God of the universe, the God who can set you free, the God who can break the chains of bondage. Is that you? Let me see your hands. Is there anyone at all? Quickly, quickly today. Let me speak to believers here. We've spent four Sundays now talking about gratitude. And as Thanksgiving approaches, we have, we as the people of God, we have more reason than anyone else to remember the works of God. And that will stir us to action. It will stir us to blessing. It will stir us to happiness and healing. I want to ask you this morning, church, I want to ask you to, uh, to cast out the spirit of ingratitude spirit of expectancy, I want to encourage you today to have a life filled with gratitude for all the blessings that God has placed in your life. Amen. If God's speaking to you, I want to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to open this altar as we sing a song of worship together. Would you come? Let's pour out our hearts before the Lord. Let's say, God, I want you to help me. I remember all the things that you've done. I remember your blessings. I want to count them one by one today. I want to put... We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.